0: table. Hold the microphone. Hold it still. One place only. Is this working? Guys, um, sometimes I forget to do what I've been told to do. Right. That's why we're here. Um, We forget what we're told to do. Last week, I was told to remind men, Phil, that we had a work weekend at deer camp. And I forgot to remind men of that last week. So you canceled it. And we're doing it this weekend, this weekend. This weekend. So I apologize. I apologize for not doing that last week. But but there is a work weekend at Deer Camp this weekend. Uh, there is a Deer Camp in March. Uh, a, week, a week from
1: tomorrow. Oh. Next week. Yeah, next weekend.
0: The next weekend. Yeah. Okay. Great, so guys. If you have if you have time, uh, Roan is kind of heading that up. Yep. Hammer like in about 10 days like in 10 days work weekend is this weekend two days two days two days days. and deer camp is in 10 days I got everybody confused now Ron you're in charge Ron you're in charge That's that's it that's it guys welcome to men's Roundtable. i'm so glad you're here this morning um i thank phil for his preparedness each week as we continue in the series of 12 steps 12 steps as most of us know or are the 12-step program of aa uh, and if we're finding in this series that uh that 12-step program extends far beyond aa to any addiction and quite honestly is a, a simple format for a walk um, to a relationship with jesus christ our savior um and i would um i think, be failing if uh did not mention the passing of billy graham yesterday and what an impact he had in his ministry um in his lifetime if any of any of you are as old as i am or older that were had the opportunity of attending one of his um uh revivals man that there was that there I've never experienced anything like that before um with that in mind let me open for a word of prayer heavenly father we thank you so much for this day lord we thank you for the men that are gathered here we thank you for the families that they represent lord we thank you for Phil we thank you for ceasefire we ask that you open our hearts now receive the message that Phil's bringing through you lord our savior in Jesus Christ name. We pray amen amen
1: gentlemen I appreciate Joe mentioning uh, the passing of uh, Billy Graham what a great celebration in heaven yesterday must have been wow Um, and one of the uh, great moments of my life and one of the most embarrassing moments for my wife's life was when uh, I had the chance to do my Billy Graham imitation and introduce Billy Graham. Uh, That was a number of years ago, so I thought I would honor Billy Graham by giving you my Billy Graham invitation exactly as I introduced him years ago, just the other day. I was talking to Ruth and I said, Ruth, you can't do it alone, Ruth. Ruth, I want you to get up out of your chair right now. Hundreds are watching by television. The buses will wait. And I want you to get up out of your chair, Ruth, and I want you to take out the trash. <laughs> you can't do it alone. Come on up, Billy. And that was my introduction to Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife would not allow me to go out in public for a month after that. She couldn't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was after I got out of the mental hospital. <laughs> I had a relapse, a major relapse. So we uh we celebrate the life of uh Billy Graham. Uh you know, you know, I will tell you this that uh when I came to Christ, um man, I was in a world of uh hurt and brokenness. And um I'm sitting in the den with my mom and dad and I'm, I'm a new Christian and they're trying to figure out, they're kind of looking at me out of the corner of my eye. Like, do we, do we need to have him committed now? I mean, my, my dad, all he could ask me um, at that time was, do you need to see a psychiatrist? Uh, Cause he knew I was in uh, a lot of hurt and I told him, no, I just needed to get my heart right with God. And I'm sitting there and a Billy Graham uh, crusade comes on TV and I'm sitting there listening to Billy Graham in a way that I'd never listened to Billy Graham before. And I just start weeping. I start crying so hard uh, that I get up and, and leave the room because I, I knew that my dad would think I really had lost it at that point and he would probably lock me up. But it, my heart was so broken uh, to the Lord. And uh, Billy Graham's preaching uh, was refreshing. It was so cool. So, so we honor his life have a song for you this morning uh, that I trust will open your heart um, to what we have. And it's so in line with everything that Billy Graham preached. And as we start going deliberately through the 12 steps and we um, tackle step number one today, the song that I want to offer you is by David Crowder, Come As You Are. Come As You Are. I trust you'll consider the words um, and the music. Uh, will open your heart uh, to what the Lord has for us this morning. May you hear the voice of God.
2: Sadness from wherever you've been, come broken hearted, let the rescue begin. Come find your mercy. Oh, sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All oh, who And all those who've strayed, come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can cure. So lay down your food. I'm Lift up your face. Oh, I'm home. You're not too far. Lay down your hurt. Lay down your heart. Commands you. Are. As you are falling as you are. There's joy for the morning, or well, sinner be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow. Heaven can't heal, so lay down your.
1: on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Twelve steps, a classic model for spiritual growth. Follow with me as I read the introductory paragraph on your notes. The 12-step process is an experience of being changed by a loving, supportive God who knows what we need and helps us through our pain to see and give up our own selfish agendas and surrender to his. Underline selfish agendas, surrender. The 12 steps offer a structure of discipline to become holy and whole. Underline holy and whole. That's the objective, to be all that God designed you to be. Our task is to remove the self-imposed, self-imposed, blocks, or character defects that stand between God and us. What do we do that inhibits and prohibits our own development and growth, self-imposed, defensive positions to make life work? And that's what Jesus put his hands on when he said, you must die. That that which you do must die. Not the real person that he created, we do this so we can be and meet God personally with our own true selves and do his will. The 12 steps are built like, scaffold, or, or like scaffolding that allows the spiritual house of our personal life to be built. First Peter talks about our growth development being like a spiritual house. He uses that metaphor. Peter does. This study of the 12 steps will be an amazing spiritual adventure. Act like a man. Act like a man. Last several weeks, we've kind of been building up to this day. Uh, Today, we start going through the 12 steps, one by one. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over sin, that our lives had become unmanageable. You don't have to be an alcoholic to have to say that and believe that. Hello, my name is Phil, and I'm a sinner. And all the sinners said, amen, amen. Why is it, why is it that we have such a hard time acknowledging that we're sinners? I mean, honestly, that is one of the most amazing questions that I'll pose to myself, and to you, and to those that I sit with. It's like, it's true, get over your big bad self. You are broken, you're a sinner, but men, we juck and jive and, and hide and scramble around trying to convince ourselves and everybody around us that we're really not that bad. You bad, dude, you real bad. Get over yourself. I'm powerless over my sin. The magic words of change is I can't, not I can. I can't. I surrender. Such a manly position. Such a manly position. I surrender. I want you to pick up your pen. Let's go to work. Intentional and deliberate to pursue holiness and wholeness. First question that I would pose to you is what feelings cause you to be powerless? What feelings do you wish that you could just wipe off of your experience? Things like anger, maybe even sadness, just stuck in depression, Loneliness. Or how about this one? Apathy. I've just lost my fight. I've lost my passion. You know, I don't have the same energy anymore. Dude, I would, I would say that that's all part of sin. But again, this whole idea of sin, it's, it's way too general just to call it sin. I think the Bible keeps inviting us into specifying sin, putting red dot on the sin and confessing it, not saying, well, you know, if I've ever hurt anybody, I hope they'll forgive me. Dude, are you kidding me? Find out who you hurt. You have hurt people. Confess it. Second question, what behaviors cause you to feel powerless? What behaviors, you know, things that you try to ignore, you know, those addictive behaviors. I can't quit eating Oreo cookies, you know. I keep ordering cheese pizzas all the time, two o'clock in the morning. Dude, if you're ordering cheese pizza at two o'clock in the morning, you're not, you're not hungry. Well, you're hungry. It's just that you're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Don't tell me that you got up at 2 o'clock in the morning to pay your bills on online banking. You know, two clicks away and you're looking at the porn site, the sex site, whatever. Behaviors. You know, outbursts of anger. Overspending. Um... Whatever it is that seems to have control over you, powerless. Third question. What people cause you to feel powerless? You know, one of the one of the signs of addictive behavior is authority issues. And so many of us have authority issues. It's like we can't work for anybody. You know, it's it's my boss. You know, he he doesn't see what an incredible asset that I am to the company and I never get that promotion. And they, they always have the power. And when they have the power, you know, that leads to bitterness and resentment. It's like your wife seems to have the power, but you know, my experience in my counseling office is that those who claim that the other has the power, the other actually would say they have the power. I see it all the time. You know, husband comes in and says, you know, she's got all the power. She, she does everything. And the wife's like, not me, it's him. He thinks he has all the power and they're in this power play. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin, which indwells me, Romans 7, 17. Turn over to Romans chapter seven. As we begin step one, verse 15. I'll actually start with verse 14 here, Romans seven. The law is good. The law is good then. The trouble is not with the law, but with me, because I am sold into slavery with sin as my master, I'm just a slave. I want to do good. My intentions are great. By the way, just as a side, you will never resolve conflict by arguing your intentions. I mean, I, I get I get humored by that in my counseling office. Well, I, ne- I didn't intend to hurt you. I wasn't trying to hurt you. Well, duh, uh, dude. I mean, I've never heard anybody say to their wife, you know, I was trying to hurt you. Did it work? Of course you weren't trying to hurt. Your intentions are not the issue. So I assume that your intentions aren't bad, but the point is that you are hurtful and hateful. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right but I don't do it, instead I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I am doing is wrong and my bad conscience shows that I agree that the law is good. I often have thought that um, those of us who deal with guilt and shame in our conscience, it's like our conscience is like a bad thyroid. You know, when you get a bad thyroid, you can either be really, really fat or really, really skinny because all that regulation is gone. It's like a bad conscience. Sometimes is like a bad thyroid. You know, you can be over, 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 over uh, guilt and shamed, or you can be under, under guilt and shamed. It's like, there's no regulation. Some guys feel bad about feeling bad and other guys, you wish they would feel bad because they're completely clueless to how hurtful they are. But I can't help myself because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. I know I'm rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. But if I'm doing what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. The sin within me is doing it. And then I would just add this to that. And I am responsible. Lest we read that last verse and feel like a victim. Well, it's like, you know, it's really not me. It's sin. Oh, poor baby. And then we all feel sorry for you. And then you elicit and evoke us to rescue you. Dude, I don't feel sorry for you. You're in the same world I'm in. You know, you put your pants on just like I put my pants on. You know, I hurt with you and for you, but I don't feel sorry for you. Get up act like a man. No victims. Victim mentality Implicit and explicit invitations to, for rescue, not good. And I had to overcome that in my own life. you know, Carla, in the early days of our marriage had to be so frustrated, not, well, not had to be, I know she was, she told me she was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just take the theoretical out of it, you know, because I was always eliciting rescue. you know, please don't hurt me, please rescue like my, please rescue me like my mama always did do Mm-mm. grow up act like a man I know you're in a struggle but you're responsible response able is what a man is now here's what I want you to understand that we're looking at it is about <clears throat> a war of control and you can jot this down on a clean spot on your notes that we're not able to control. So not control, but that's our um, desire is to control. But the point is, is that we are powerless plus life is unmanageable and we need recovery. And this pen is running out. Let's see if this other one works. So we need help, we need recovery to recover that which God intended. And so what we need to be able to move to is rather than control, is what we're trying to get back to is a life of trust. Trust, I need to trust the process, I need to trust God, I need to live by faith. And if I do that, rather than being powerless, There is power in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. And rather than my life being unmanageable, there's order to my life. And what happens at that point is I begin to experience restoration and that which God intended is restored. That's what we're looking at. These 12 steps, um, again, are, are there on your notes, just as a summary. And today is about submission, surrender. And so we're powerless in this uh, 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 war of control. And the first thing that we're typically looking at is worth as a person. We're always in a fight to fill self-worth human dignity, value. Our culture is in a war over the worth of human life. Life is being degraded and being cheapened. It's nothing to hear of a shooting that's obviously all over the news. Ways of degrading, disrespecting, human life. I mean, one of the great, great principles of life in your marriage and in your relationships is to have respect for a person sitting across from you, human dignity. But we don't think in those terms, we just want to be right. Again, we try to control our wives. We even try to control others beyond our wife, it doesn't work that way. Clues that reveal your attempt and my attempt to control is irritation and blaming with other people, as opposed to taking responsibility for our own lives. Things are not going exactly the way you want, so we tend to blame our failure on other people or our own circumstances. And we even sabotage the good life that we believe that we've built. Sometimes when things are going good, we get so scared because it's even the good is out of control and we'll sabotage. To the degree that you are irritated by others and you blame others for where you are is to the degree that you're trying to control others and you're working out of a paradigm of control as opposed to with an open hand, a paradigm of trust. These disturbing emotional experiences, you know, you're having a hard time sleeping, you're restless, lots of anxiety, anger, fearful and ashamed. How about peace? Just be at peace. Wouldn't that be good? You know, if you could just mix up a big old glass of peace and drink it and man, sleep good. Peace is what we're after and when we let go of the control Peace enters our heart when we start trusting God. Jesus says, you know, come to me, all you who've got a heavy load. I'll give you peace. But no, I'm agitated, I'm irritated, I'm stressed, um, I'm working way too hard. All those stirred up emotions are evidence of trying to control it. And And you know what the lie is that we keep telling ourselves and we deceive ourselves and we're in denial about? I can change if I wanted to. I can change any time. I, I can quit eating cheese pizzas. I, I can quit. But you don't. But you don't. Because you can't. I surrender. Man, can you remember that experience that you had when you kind of laid your guns down and you quit that fighting? and you just surrender to God. It's a beautiful moment, and it needs to happen every day. This is a life out of control. This is hard to watch. It's hard to watch. But this is you and me in our pride, in our arrogance, in our self-centeredness, in our thick-headedness. This is you. This is me. Watch this.
2: Nate, I, I, I know everybody's going crazy. It's just one of those days. How are my margins holding up? What about my panicking forward. What did the doctor say? Oh, I was on the phone. I just wanted to know if everything's all right. Yeah, Nate. Sorry. Okay, s- sell, uh, sell some of the Portland if you need to, but you gotta shore up my margin. on am Ford. forward. I gotta keep that baby going. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, I'll see you at Joe Harshron's party. Okay. Good. Bye. Can you tell me what the doctor said? I have some enlargement of my liver. Minor. Well, did he prescribe any medication? He says I should cut down, stop drinking for a while. Oh, good. It's just a temporary condition. The liver repairs itself. I don't think so. Bill? No? You know- off! Said... Hello? Oh, Tom, hi. Yeah, uh, Tom, can you hold on just a second? Sweetheart, I'm sorry. Just let me finish this call and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, hi. Hi, Tom. How are you? Uh, the Nate call? Well, uh, I got a great buy for you. <laughs> well, you know, the way those stock markets are turning, I'm beginning to lose my comments. What do you think? It's Bill? not a problem. It's just a temporary correction. See, the smart money looks into the future. All right? I mean, it's, the surface is a mirage. It's what's underneath the counts a record budget surplus, a rise in production rate, record profits. Yes, some stocks are overpriced, granted, but. I might be just a little more cautious. Now, oh, right. let's hope related. Right. As a matter of fact, I'd like a drink to that. Oh, well, oh, thank you. Oh. after what the doctor told you? That's not booze, it's just wine. There are some people in the embassy, so we don't have to see, <laughs> Hi, I'm Lottie Rich. I live next door. Nice neighborhood. Kettleton. You? Bill Wilson. Lowly Stockbro. Want some dessert? What do you have in mind? Champagne. Have you seen Bill? I think he was trying to sell the Petersons last time I saw him. When was that? Not too long ago. She yeah. has husband is waiting upstairs to take her home. Oh, oh, no, no, he's no, he's no, 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 no. Stay, come on. This isn't one of your guys. This is the home of my <laughs> dearest friend. Come on, Frank. We're just having a couple of laughs, right? <laughs> don't have
0: any self respect <laughs> left at all or respect for me, yeah. for our partnership,
2: our reputation? Hey, Frank, if I wanted to lecture, I was a a professor. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, we can take care of all this. I <laughs> bet we can. We're through. Finished. I don't want to bum for a
1: Frank. Hey, Frank, Frank. Ouch. There, there is so much in that clip to break down. And as much as Bill W is obviously out of control There's a lot about his wife that's also out of control in the sense of just being so wanting to control him. She can't. That's the picture of a codependent, a codependent wife and an out of control husband. See, in this simple diagram, it looks something like this. And again, my pen here is barely working, but if you imagine an iceberg, and this is what we believe that we're deceived in, that we can control the present, present action. But what we need to own are the 10 feelings or experiences that are going on underneath that are listed there on your notes. The 10 This is what's going on in Bill W., in Phil Harden, in you, in me. It's that we don't want to own these 10. What we want to do is try to control our life with our own power. Things like loneliness. So we isolate and we see people as objects for our own pleasure rather than an object of love, to love and to be loved by, to know and to be known. We just can't we just get along? Mm. Loss of feelings. Some of us just go numb. That's a defensive position. God didn't create you that way. God created you to have a full, robust experience of feelings. Feelings are like calcium to bone. When you have good calcium, bones are pliable, and you're 30 years old. When you don't have calcium, you're 90 years old, and you're afraid you're going to fall and break your hip. And when there's no feeling, there's no calcium. Feelings are the sticky part of relationship. Broken relationships and resentments. We're obsessed with being right rather than just admitting that we blew it. I mean, I've got a list of of my Rolodex and my head is going crazy right now because I've got all these people in my head that if they would just own to their wives or to their husbands, I blew it. I take full responsibility. There could be such healing, but it's, it's this continual minimizing or defending behavior. Uncontrollable, exaggerated feelings, compulsive behaviors, and that's what leads to addiction. Compulsiveness, making rules that we ourselves don't keep, like I'll never do that again, or don't spend money, and then we just spend. It's it's like Romans 7 says, we can't even live up to our own standards, much less God's standards. Forgetting to do the things that nurture our relationships, just broken promises. Oh, sweetheart, I told you I'd be at the soccer game, Johnny, and I forgot. I'm so so. Oh, was it your birthday yesterday? Oh, I'm so sorry. I've been so busy. Dude, that doesn't work work out too good at my house. I don't know about you. Just broken, just self-absorbed. Oh, and then I love this one. Number seven. We just need to move to Albuquerque. That'll solve it. You know, I never did like Mississippi, so let's just move. I just want you to know that my reason for moving to Fairhope is not because I was trying to run away from something. Okay. I love Fairhope, but that's not the reason I moved to Fairhope geography cures, nothing. You carry that old bag with you. Um, that U-Haul is still with you unless you deal with it. Geography doesn't change anything. It's just, it's more humid, drier, rainier, colder something. Number eight, fear of authority figures. There's no voice. You're afraid to speak up. It's like you've got to speak into it. Tell the truth. Tell it well. Tell it often. Feeling a confused sense of unreality. You're just frantic, frustrated. It's like you just need to slow down. And then how about this one? You've got all these unexplainable physical symptoms. You've got high blood pressure. You've got an ulcer. Whatever it is, a lot of times those things clear up when you get your heart right. Definitely. In the fifth grade, I had a nervous stomach. My mama took me to the doctor. I was throwing up. I couldn't eat. Man, I wish I had that now, you know. I don't have a nervous stomach anymore. Um, And I was just a nervous wreck. And I, and I realized now being a marriage and family therapist that I was trying to get out from under my mother's wing. She was a hoverer. I didn't know how to say that, you know, and then in college, you know, still had that anxiety, all that anxiety, all that anxiety, um, and that's why I did a lot of excessive things just to kill my anxiety, you know? And guess what? When I listened to Billy Graham's message and I came to Christ, the anxiety went away. Now that doesn't happen with everybody. I don't have anxiety the way I once did. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. That's what we call dealing with what's going on underneath rather than continuing to try to control just what we see. It's called walking by faith. Now, this last piece is the doorway to recovery. Thank God for pain, right? Isn't that, all, isn't that our, our response to pain? Thank you, God, for that painful uh, experience. no. No, but I'm telling you, most of us wouldn't be in this room if it wasn't for the stories that you could tell me and I would tell you of the pain that I went through that finally convinced me of the delusion that I could control my life and I had power to make things work. No, I need to surrender, surrender. Every day, surrender. So pain is good in the sense that it does bring me to my knees. So that pain that you're going through right now, that kind of, whether it's a gnat at the picnic or a boulder laying in your driveway, whatever that pain is, it's a good thing because it tells you once again, you can't control your life. You weren't supposed to. I am powerless to control my life. And then we actually have oftentimes tragedy or crisis. I mean, really big issues, the pain of our compulsions, our addictions and denial, and the resulting strain of broken relationships that drives us to the stark awareness of our powerlessness. It is so painful to hear of those high school kids in Florida talk about the loss of their buddies. That was such trauma and what some of them saw and experienced. But there are men in this room that you've had those tragedies and those crises, and those are intended to bring us to our knees. I know many of your stories and I know stories right now that the worst time in your life quote unquote, became the best time of your life because it brought you to Christ. This idea that nothing works, we reach a point where nothing that we attempt makes life work. I can't fix myself. I'm lost. I've got to get well. I can't stand living like this anymore. Welcome. Glad you're here. When I see a man who's having difficulty in his marriage and he just kind of throws up his hands and he says, you know, I don't know what to do. Nothing works. That can actually be a great point because now he's ready to listen. Again, it takes two. And sometimes the wife is so dead, she just walks out. She doesn't want to do any more work. And that's very, very sad when you've got one who wants to work and one who doesn't. And it takes two. so, So you can't really work with that. But when you've got one who is broken enough to say, I can't help me. That's the beginning of the healing. We are all broken. We are all broken. Turn to God and say in your shame and guilt, Lord, I can see it now. I am a compulsive controller and I've hurt the very people that you have given to me to love by attempting to fix them and determine what's best for them. I can see that I'm powerless to change the behavior. My life is unmanageable. Have the courage to look at those that love you, those of you who are married, your wife, your children, those of you who are not married, Find some friends, get your three friends together and acknowledge the awareness that you have of how broken you are and then ask for feedback. How do you see how I'm hurting others and I'm trying to control my life? Be open to feedback and then rather than going defensive and says and say, "Well, th- well, that hurts my feelings when you say that. Say, wow, I knew I was broken. And now I have a better idea of just how broken I am. Scripture says this, he who has found his life shall lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. Willing to lose your life for Jesus' sake and for the love of another. Rather than trying to make your life work and it continued to spin out of control. Step one we admitted we were powerless over sin every day, every day, every day, and that our lives had become unmanageable. Only one answer and that is to surrender to someone who is greater than me i surrender and i continue daily to acknowledge my powerlessness over my own sin and how my life is unmanageable under my control i hand control over to god give me my marching orders for today let's close in prayer father thank you so much um your guidance, the structure, the scaffolding to help us understand our lives and how, Father, it is um, so counterintuitive that somehow we would give up our life and then find it in a bundle of peace. Thank you for that. We're grateful. We love you. Thanks for our time this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.